humidity standing at 87%. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter is Jenny Lam. Today we're talking about domestic helpers and the row over job hopping. The Federation of Asian Domestic Workers Union has urged the government to scrap a proposal to tighten regulations against so-called job hoppers when employees terminate a contract early to take another job. The group says it received 338 complaints from domestic helpers last year about working excessive hours, having their wages illegally deducted or being verbally, physically or sexually abused, but only 20 of them actually quit. Current regulations do allow workers to terminate their contract if they can prove exploitation or abuse, but the group says many workers are worried that they won't be granted a work visa if they leave their jobs early. The union also found that recruitment agencies overcharged helpers by almost 20,000 Hong Kong dollars on average in 2022. What do you think? Is job hopping no longer a concern after COVID? What else can be done to protect domestic workers from exploitation and abuse? After 9.45, we'll speak to an author about uh, this year's book fair that will open in about an hour's time. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Now to kick off our discussion this morning, Morning. We have in our Kowloon Tong studio Thomas Chan, chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. And uh, on the line, we have Rowena Borha from the Hong Kong Federation of Asian Domestic Workers Union. And uh, in a moment, we will also be joined by Iman Villanueva, the spokesperson of the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body. Good morning, Mr. Chan. Good morning, everyone. And uh, good morning, Ms. Borha. Thanks uh, for joining us on the program. Um, Ms. Borha, let's uh, start with you since uh, it's your organization that received the complaints uh, we, we just mentioned in the introduction. Can you give us uh, some examples of the complaints you received? Hello, Ms. Borha. Hello. Can you hear us? Obviously not. Maybe, maybe. Uh Maybe we can go to Mr. Chan, who's in our studio right here. Um, so, Mr. Chan, you're with the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. Um, how has employment of foreign domestic helpers changed after COVID as compared with during the pandemic? Yes, uh, after uh, Hong Kong reopens the border or after the pandemic, I think the current situation is quite smooth for employment industry. By uh, smooth, I mean, for example, uh, the deployment of the workers from Philippines or Indonesia to Hong Kong is almost back to normal. Uh, the second, uh, on the side of employer, it's also quite easy for them if they want to hire a new helper. And also for the helpers, uh, I think uh, they are bearing some kind of pressure to ask for higher pay because a lot of supplying uh, to Hong Kong. So the salary or, uh, for workers are not as much as those be before or during the pandemic situation. All right, so let's go back to uh, Rowena Borhar. Good morning. 
Yes, good morning. All right, and welcome back to the program. Um, yeah. Can you, can you, I mean, we were talking about uh, your report, your organization's report earlier about the uh, complaints. Um, can you give us some examples of the complaints uh, you, you received? I mean, just now Mr. Chan was uh, talking about how everything is actually going quite smoothly. Okay, uh, thank you for the question. Actually, we received a lot of complaints about domestic workers, yeah. But of course, our most complaint now is the uh, overcharging, the job hopping, and the DDO, the discrimination, disability discrimination, or the none, yeah. So that is our uh, three problem for mainly the big problem of the migrant domestic workers that are uh, facing now, including the job hopping. Right. Can you give us some yes. examples, maybe, when you talk about uh, overcharging? Are there any yeah. examples you can give us? Well, uh, overcharging over 90 cases in both uh, 2020 to I think and 2023 involve uh, Indonesian workers. Uh, some of them signed a zero placement fee in Indonesia when uh, they are applying for a job. But uh, because there is a law from the Indonesian government last year 2021, if I'm not mistaken, that there are no charger for the worker from the agency in coming to Hong Kong. That means it should be a zero placement fee. But once the worker uh, in the airport or two or two days prior to their flight, there are some uh, brokers who rush to sign the workers an unknown document at the airport. And then upon arriving here in Hong Kong, the workers again face another problem with uh, the broker or the agency because they receive a letter from their employer's house that they need to pay the uh, amount of money to the agency, which the worker didn't receive any money from the Indonesian consulate when they are uh, applying for a job. And they, um, the, the amount they paid here is around 1,145 Hong Kong dollars to 4,133 per month. That is for six months in most cases. And one more thing, if the domestic worker fails to pay the said uh, amount within six months, then the employment agency will write to their employers and the employers will push the worker to pay the paid amount of that uh, of that loan that they haven't hit any single cent. All right, so let us just uh, bring in Iman Villanueva, the uh, spokesperson of the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body. Good morning. Okay. Hi, good morning. Hi, good, good morning. morning. So we've just heard uh, about uh, Ms. Borja's, uh, the, the complaints that she received about uh, overcharging of uh, domestic helpers. H have you received uh, similar complaints as well? Oh, yes, definitely. In fact, um, in the uh, 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 annual report of the uh, Mission for Migrant Workers, uh, this is the longest-running service uh, 
institution providing assistance to migrant uh, domestic workers in Hong Kong, uh, around uh, 30% of their the cases that they uh, uh, handled uh, during uh, 2021 actually involved uh, illegal collection or overcharging. So there are two kinds, no? uh, illegal collection, which means in countries like uh, the Philippines and Indonesia, where there are existing laws that prohibit any fee being collected or being charged from the domestic workers, we call it illegal collection because it should be free of charge. But for those countries that are still allowing some fees to be charged or to be collected from the uh, migrant workers, uh, but they are actually charging more than the allowable fee, then they, we call it uh, overcharging. And so that's the case in Hong Kong, because in Hong Kong, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Labor Department uh, allows up to 10% of the first month's salary to be charged to the workers. Now, in the case of migrant domestic workers, they are being charged both uh, from the uh, sending country. These uh, agencies will uh, charge them uh, uh, illegal fees. And then in Hong Kong, uh, the uh, employment agency will still collect the 10 percent. So, so um, and it, it, they they are being charged on both sides. No? Um, and uh, I mean everybody knows this is not this is an open secret. I would say uh, that uh, the uh, agencies in the Philippines they do not operate independently from the agencies in Hong Kong. They 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 operate in partnership. You know, um, uh, the 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 government of Hong Kong knows this. The consulates, they know this because they are the ones who are accrediting agencies in Hong Kong who, who will have to, to uh, provide uh, a partner in the Philippines or in Indonesia for them to bring in workers to Hong Kong. So this is an okay. open secret. And uh, I think the government knows that because they came out with a code of practice uh, a few years ago to tackle the issue. But it seems it's uh, actually unsuccessful. Okay, Thomas Chan, you're with the Union of Employment Agencies. Are you guys in partnership with these agencies in the Philippines and Indonesia? Yes, of course. <coughs> so how do you how do you prevent the um, helpers from being double-charged these very extortionate fees? Uh, I think I need to clarify some facts. Uh, for Indonesia, uh, yes, Hong Kong government allows Hong Kong agency to collect 10% of their first month salary, but in reality, uh, all Indonesian workers, they pay 10% to Indonesian agency because once before they came to Hong Kong, they have signed the agreement, they have to pay something to back to Indonesian agency, including the 10% uh, commission. So. Uh, I seldom see any Hong Kong agency charge them uh, or collect 10% from the arrival Indonesian workers again. Uh, this is uh, maybe the those workers union, they can try to check carefully. Okay, second, uh, about the uh, overcharging, I think once you talk about overcharging in public, you always uh, let the public to believe or to to have an impression Hong Kong agency is overcharging the workers. But uh, as some of the those uh, union leaders, they even say it's actually it's the Indonesian agency or Philippine agency to collect the money. 
It's not Hong Kong either, isn't it? Right. So, so you say 10%, and, and, and uh, Rowena and Iman are saying it's way more than 10%. It's, they're saying 3000 maybe up more. to $4,000 for domestic helpers who's just earning a few thousand dollars. What are you guys being done in partnership with these agencies overseas to, to basically tell them, look, um, this is affecting our reputation here in Hong Kong. Please don't do that. What is being done? Oh, okay. Uh, suppose the monthly payment is mentioned by those uh, while ago. Uh, every month they have to pay 1000 something, even to 2000 They are paying back to Indonesian agency, not paying to Hong Kong agency. Okay. So, uh, and Indonesian government, suppose they have a zero placement fee plan, plan only not in real operation, not implemented. Even until yesterday, we are still talking to Indonesian government. They are planning or they are appealing all Hong Kong agencies to implement zero placement people. Finally, not yet done. Yeah, but, but my question is, you said you are in partnership with these agencies in the Philippines. We, and, and we in the are in, okay, right. we So are. what are the conversations you're having with them to prevent the workers being ripped off? We are in partnership with either uh, Philippine or Indonesian agency, but in partnership to recruit, to deploy, but for the money matters, it's separate. It's Indonesian, uh, I mean the supplying country, they are the one to do their own policy. We, we can't control, even Hong Kong agency currently, we have to pay the money to Indonesian agency, to Philippine agency for the supply of the workers. So are you saying it's really up to Philippine and Indonesian authorities, their government, to handle course, this problem? Of course. That's why if they want to protest, to protest in Hong Kong, they should protest, go to Indonesian consulate or Philippine consulate to protest. Right. That is half true. That is half true. Uh, because, uh, you know, the collection of the payment is happening in Hong Kong. I mean, you know this, Mr. Chan. You know this. They are, when they arrive in Hong Kong, I mean, most of the workers, they don't actually have money when they leave the Philippines or Indonesia. So they cannot pay in full uh, these agencies. Uh, and, and so that, I'm saying it's half-truth because, yes, it is also true that the agencies in the Philippines and Indonesia are also, uh, you know, they are uh, doing, uh, doing that practice. They are illegally collecting fees. But it is not absolutely true that it's only a problem in Indonesia and in the Philippines. The problem actually extends in Hong Kong. And that is our problem, the workers' problem, because even the Hong Kong government are saying the same thing, just like what uh, Mr. Chen is saying. It's the problem in your country. But actually, they're collecting money in Hong Kong. They are using uh, financing agencies in Hong Kong. So when the workers arrive in Hong Kong, they will be brought to these uh, uh, financing agencies, money lending agencies, and so they will be made to pay monthly uh, installments to these money lending agencies, nearly 50% or sometimes more, of their monthly income to this uh, money lending agency. So it, the, the, the transaction, the fees being collected by the employment agencies are suddenly gone in the translation because is, now they are paying a loan instead a of fact? paying the placement fee. That the, is that a fact that the agencies in Hong Kong are bringing these workers oh, no, to no, these no. finance agencies? Uh, I think uh, Hong Kong, uh, hello? Uh, Hong Kong Labor Can Department. Maybe, maybe let's let uh, Mr. Chan uh, finish Hong first. Kong, Hong Kong Labor Department okay, they strictly uh, forbid, prohibits Hong Kong agency to be involved in any money matters of the workers. So currently, um, 
nearly no agency really bring the worker to the financial uh, centers or whatever. It's for the real operation. It's, no, it's no, no. Uh, let me let me talk, Elman. Uh, it's Indonesian workers before come to Hong Kong, they sign the agreement with the lending company in Indonesia. Then the Indonesian company, lending company, forward the, the loan to Hong Kong collecting agency. It's totally operated between Indonesian side, not, right. not, nothing to do with Hong Kong agency. Is that a, what you understand, Rowena? Uh, yes, but I want to add, like Mr. Chan says, that if we want to uh, have a protest, we should protest in the Philippine consulate and in the Indonesian consulate, which we are doing that so far protesting. And actually, last uh, June 23, 2023, we have a meeting with the Indonesian consulate. And you know what we have uh, seen there is they are uh, always at the side of the employer, but not at the side of the worker. Supposed to be they are here for us. Uh, okay, you mean the counselor is side deep with the employer? No, Excuse I me. mean the the uh, Indonesian consulate. Yeah, you mean the Indonesian consulate they officer? They are side yeah, deep with yeah. employer. <laughs> uh, wait, yeah, Amon. Uh, not not, yes, not yes. all, but but because we go there personally, face to face. That's what we have observed to them because. In all the questions that we ask, they always say the employers and the government only. We didn't hear anything about protecting their workers. Iman, mm. you, you, you said earlier that the, when the workers arrive in Hong Kong, they are brought to these finance agencies to arrange payments. Oh, yes, back. Yes, Who yes, are these yes, individuals? I mean, yeah. Who exactly is bringing them to these finance companies? Mr. Chan says it's not them. Who is it then? You know, it's, it's operating both. I mean, they 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 have many different. Uh, we call yeah. it modus operandi. You know, they they have many different systems in place. One is what Mr. Chan was saying, that they they are forced to sign uh, uh, loans even before yeah. they leave the country, right? So uh, Indonesia yeah. or Philippines, and they they have partners in Hong Kong. So the money are being collected in Hong Kong, not in Indonesia, not yeah, but, in the but, but not by but not by people like Mr. Chan, though. Is, is that a fact? No, the, they, there are also agencies who are doing that because, you know, the workers, when they arrive, mm. most of the time, it's not the employers who will pick them up from the airport. It's the representative of the agency. Mr. Chan knows yeah. this. So it is not absolutely yeah, yeah. true. Sorry, but the we, agencies we, in Hong Kong are not We fetch the workers is, from, you know, from airport, but is, we don't send true. them to that financial when centers. You say, <laughs> when you say, uh, Mr. Chan, let me finish. Okay. You're, 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 you had sure. your chance. So when, when they arrive in Hong Kong, they are being picked up by representatives of the agencies. Most of the time. Of course, there are times yes. when the employers will pick them up. But uh, they yeah. are the ones who are also in, in, you know, in cahoots with all these uh, no, uh, money lending agencies. That is not absolutely true that they are not involved. Now, whether the money goes to them or goes to the, to the agency in the Philippines is another matter. But uh, what, what I'm saying is it is a problem that has to be tackled by both the Hong Kong government and the sending countries like the Philippines and the Indonesian government. It cannot be just you know, the government or the, 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 on the side of the Hong Kong, uh, I mean, in, in Hong Kong side, like the agencies and the government of Hong Kong, they cannot just say that the problem is there in the Philippines or there in Indonesia. Because if we're going to approach it that way, uh, as if we're saying that the problem doesn't exist in Hong Kong, it does. It does. That's, that's why many NGOs in Hong Kong are actually 
you know, campaigning against uh, trafficking of uh, persons because that falls under trafficking when workers are, you know, when they arrive in Hong Kong and they end up working and not being paid because the money goes to these money lenders and these employment agencies. So, that so is do you know of these money lenders? Mr. Chan, are you aware that when the helper comes, you go and pick them up from the airport, and then are you aware that somewhere along the line they meet these money lenders? Are you aware of that? As what I understand, we agency do fetch the workers from airport to agency, but we are not allowed to send any of them by Hong Kong law to lending company. Suppose the loan paper goes to Hong Kong's lending company or land, uh, loan collectors. It's by Indonesian agency or Philippine agency directly, not from Hong Kong agency. Uh, just please be clarified. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about uh, members of your uh, of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. But have you heard about uh, you know maybe other agencies that that have done that? I think. It, if some Hong Kong agencies, they assist, what I can say is assist the worker to, to process the loan agreement, maybe there is, but very, very few, because this is strictly prohibited by Hong Kong Labor Department. Nobody dares to do it, risking the license. <laughs> well, so there you go, uh, Aman. Um, Mr. Chan is saying that they risk their license if they do that. So... Why, have you approached the Labor do. Department to talk about this? Uh, they do. They do risk their license. But they, that is exactly why there are there are uh, ways to go around the existing policies and the existing laws. And I think that that's the problem. Uh, because, um, you know, it's very difficult, actually, to prove. Because uh, if you go back to the paper trail, the uh, role of the employment agencies and their relationship with the money lenders... Can, it's not easy to it is not uh, easy to establish because it, it, I mean it doesn't exist when you look at it you know so it's only the workers and of course those who those people who are involved in the transaction knows that this is happening and the workers I mean you cannot say that thousands of workers who experience this are actually making up stories Mr. Mm -hmm. Chan you cannot say that you know but we have thousands of workers who have dealt with the same experience. And if you say that, that it doesn't exist, then all of them, thousands of them are actually lying. Right. So, and, no, and, 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 the, and the workers are saying that over the past couple of years, these fees, agency fees, illegal agency fees, have gone up by 60%. That's a lot. Why do you think that has happened, Iman? Why? Well, uh, there, there are many factors. You know, of course, one, one factor would be the, the uh, crisis also in our own, in our respective countries. Right. So people are desperate to leave the country and uh, try to look for work. But another thing is that uh, because the, 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 it has become so systematic that no, no, no worker can leave the country without passing through the agencies. And I would call the, I would call the attention of the government of the Philippines and Indonesia on this, because the policy to strictly go through the employment agencies are actually policy of the, the sending country, not the Hong Kong government. I mean, in fairness to that, the, the Hong Kong government, they do not require workers to go through the employment agencies. Uh, the employers and the, and the workers can actually process their contract directly to the uh, to the uh, consulates or to the to, sorry to the immigration department. Unfortunately, because the government of the Philippines and Indonesia requires 
these newcomers to go through employment agencies, then, you know, there's really not, not much choice. Okay, so Everyone Ms. will have to go through. So right. it's, it's actually a monopolized market. Right. Mr. Chan, are you aware that these fees have gone up in the past couple of years? And why? Yes, yes uh, for, for uh, like you just mentioned, uh, suppose Indonesian or Philippine government uh, really requires all workers, they must process if they want to come to Hong Kong, they have to process through the agency. But this is for the protection of the benefits of the workers, because once they got any problems, agency in Hong Kong, they must be hold responsible for, for, for the health or even for the deportation of the workers. If I, I know some of the workers, especially for, in the, uh, for Philippine workers, they go through the so-called processing or direct hire processing to Hong Kong employees. Most of them, they are being exploited much more. All right, for Mr. Example, Chan. Mm, okay. All right, Mr. Chan, let's uh, continue after uh, maybe in a few minutes' time because uh, we need to take a quick break for the news. Um, and uh, we'll be joined uh, after the news by Betty Young, chairperson of the Hong Kong Employers of Domestic Helpers Association. Many thanks again to Iman Villanueva, spokesperson for the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body. Now, if you uh, want to ask our guests questions or share your views on today's topics, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at RTHK. .hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And here's a quick look at the weather, mainly cloudy with occasional showers and a few uh, uh, thunderstorms. The uh, top temperature will be around uh, 31 degrees, winds moderate southeasterlies. Right now it's 29 degrees, relative humidity 88%. It's now 9.30 with the news summary. Here's Andrew Shirovsky. An educator has blamed the pandemic for the record low number of top scorers in this year's Diploma of Secondary Education. Compared to 11 last year, only four students achieved a perfect score in their Diploma of Secondary Education. Mervyn Jung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organization, said the pandemic hurt the students' ability to study and interact with teachers. DAB lawmaker Holden Chow says Hong Kong can consider joint ventures with Fujian biomedical firms to help provide financial solutions. He was among a delegation of lawmakers who've just wrapped up a five-day visit to Fujian province to learn about financial and technological developments on the mainland. He told RTHK that the group was very impressed by what they saw. And the chief executive, John Lee, has welcomed the state council's appointment of Dong Jingwei as head of the Office for Safeguarding National Security in Hong Kong. We'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. Extreme weather. Severe landslides. A chain of disasters. Don't think this kind of disaster only happens in movies. In recent years, extreme weather has caused severe landslides around the world. So please, listen out for landslip warnings. If disaster strikes, everyone could be in danger. We should cooperate with the government's emergency response plans. Want to be a perfect employer? You have to pay wages and make MPF contributions on time. Remember to make MPF contributions and submit remittance statements on or before the 10th day of each month. If there are public holidays on or before the 10th of the month, you should arrange your MPF contributions earlier. A 5% surcharge will be imposed for late contributions. Use electronic services to make timely and accurate contributions.
Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong. Still with us on the program is Thomas Chan, Chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies, and Rowena Borja from the Hong Kong Federation of Asian Domestic Workers Union. Also joining us now from our Admiralty Studio is Betty Jung, Chairperson of the Hong Kong Employers of Domestic Helpers Association. Good morning, Ms. Jung. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Um, before we go to you, uh, let's uh, let uh, Mr. Chan finish uh, what he was talking about before for the news, which was about uh, why uh, he believes agency fees have uh, been going up recently. Mr. Chan? Yes, uh, recently the agency fee for employers increased, really, that's, that's true. Because we need to pay to Indonesian agency, to pay to Philippine agency. Before the pandemic, most of the agency, we don't need to pay anything, but currently for any if we hire or we got one helper from Indonesia, we have to pay about 3000 to 5000 to Indonesian agency. And then we also have to pay about 3000 to Philippine agency. Okay, so but, um, is this different in other countries? Many of these domestic workers, they go to places like uh, Dubai yes, let me, let me and... give you some uh, simple uh, examples. As what I understand, uh, for employers in Middle East, if they want to hire a domestic helpers from Philippines. Each, uh, employers there, they have to pay about 5,000 US dollar. And then the Middle East agency, they can remit one five to 2,000 to Philippine agency. That's why Philippine agency, they have money to recruit, to train, to deploy workers. The workers can go really free to Middle East. But what about Hong Kong? Hong Kong employer, currently the market price is about 2,000. US dollar. So the 2000 only cover the cost of operation for Hong Kong agency. And we still have to leave a little part to Philippine agency or to Indonesian agency. All right, let's go to uh, Ms. Young here. Um, Ms. Young, thanks for joining us on the program again. Um, so, I mean, uh, we've been focusing so far, this discussion has been focusing on uh, the, the higher agency fees. Uh, and uh, that was uh, uh, reported in uh, a report by the Hong Kong Federation of Asian Domestic Workers Union. And apart from agency fees, uh, they also talked about how uh, they received 300 complaints uh, from domestic helpers last year about uh, working excessive hours, having their wages illegally deducted or being verbally, physically or or sexually abused, but only 20 of them actually uh, terminated the contract. Um, Ms. Jung, how, how would you describe the relationship of employers and, and helpers uh, right now? No, actually, uh, for our association, employers are doing very well with our domestic helpers. And just, uh, I think, on a 20, uh, 24, uh, just last uh, Sunday, we had a very good relation um, uh, ceremony, you know, with the domestic helper and employer uh, in a uh, function which is arranged by the Labor Department. And actually, uh, I remember in the event, uh, one domestic helper thanked the uh, employer, saying that, you know, she is suffering from TB, but the employer helped her uh, during her sickness. And now she recovered and she is uh, working very happily in the family. So. In Hong Kong, uh, representing uh, many families, we do thank the domestic helpers come from overseas because they come to Hong Kong to help our families to look after our old age and our children. And so that uh, we can go to work, especially 
uh, many mothers, you know, they need to go out to work. Right. Betty Young, you know, during the pandemic, it was very difficult to hire overseas workers. Only oh, because right. they've seen, yeah, because there's no plane. Mm. Right. Um, so has that, how has that changed now that the pandemic is over? I think it's uh, running very well now. And there are more domestic coming from Philippines or Indonesia, uh, even other countries. And I am happy to know that uh, many domestic helpers are willing to come to work in Hong Kong. Uh, Rowena Boha, um, are you still there? Yeah. Yes. Um, so as far as um, you understand, uh, have things improved now that the p pandemic is over for, for the workers' side? For the workers' side, well, uh, as of now, we haven't uh, received any uh, uh, complaints yet, except one uh, worker who have again uh, terminated because uh, she is uh, have uh, how do you call this a uh, pelvic uh, problem or pelvic cancer. She terminated uh, while under medication, and this is new last. This is what only last June 28th, and uh, yeah, and she are supposed yeah. to be, uh, she will be operated this August 1, but the employer asked her to go down. Yeah, so uh, she filed a case last yeah, July I mean, given... in OECF Labor Department. So I think for now, after our uh, 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 press con, uh, we haven't uh, yet uh, received any. Yeah. Yeah. Given there are so many tens of thousands of um, employer and employees um, pairs in in Hong Kong, um, uh, there are bound to be some terrible stories like that. But would you would you say overall, um, you see less workers switching jobs as they did over pan the pandemic? Less job changing jobs yes. now. I think it's the same because, like what we said. Uh, they are afraid of uh, losing their job because they are afraid of job hopping. You know, a uh, job for us is uh, very important. That's why we are uh, we cannot afford to lose it. That's why we tolerate all kinds of ill treatment until we have uh, health issues. Yeah. Um, so Betty Young, one of the one of one of the yeah. things that the uh, Federation of Asian Domestic Workers Union is asking the government is to um, not to tighten regulations against um, so-called job hopping, uh, yeah, yeah. right? And 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 not yes, to charge yes. them a lot of fees when they wish to change yeah. jobs. Betty Young, yeah, um, yeah. Betty Young, what is your we view on that? Now, uh, now, first yeah. of all, uh, I must say that when we employ domestic helper coming to Hong Kong. Employers need to pay over 20,000 Hong Kong money, okay? Um, in yeah. fact, if the, um, the domestic helper help can help the family, no employer mm. would like to dismiss the dom a domestic helper. Now, this is the first thing. And okay. why do they have to change job and also in Hong mm. Kong? And the law has protected all, all the foreign domestic helpers uh, in case the employers die or maybe they have financial difficulties, or maybe uh, they are emigrating to other countries, or maybe there's a proof saying that uh, uh, the domestic helpers is ill-treated by the, uh, the employer. This domestic helper 
can go uh, change a job in Hong Kong. In fact, the law in Hong Kong protects all domestic helpers very well. I have actually I talked to some domestic helpers in it, uh, who, whom I know in church. They are very happy to come to Hong Kong and they tell me. They, they find that Hong Kong is the best place for their domestic helper. They're happy to work here. They have very poor experience in Middle East, though they can find earn money, but they have no happiness there. They have no holidays, no freedom, you know, and also the place, you know, uh, they, uh, when there is war, they're frightened too. Now, uh, after uh, now, Hong Kong uh, COVID-19 has, uh, no, has gone, I hope, uh, and actually, uh, domestic yeah. helpers are, you know, the best place they choose is to come to Hong Kong to work. May I uh, say um, some of our opinions, because I've just uh, heard what Mr. Chen and uh, our, our workers' union saying about the charge of the uh, domestic helpers coming to Hong Kong. In fact, a Hong Kong government also has a very uh, straight policy to uh, know, manage to make sure that all the agency cannot uh, you know take uh, no charge the domestic helper more than 10% of the, the monthly salary in case these agencies are against the law uh, the labor department will not grant them the visa to continue to run the business in hong kong so i encourage the foreign domestic helper you should go to your government Ask your government to help your your friends in your country before they come to Hong Kong. Uh, the agency, I do agree, in their country should not charge and the girls so much. But to fair to say, the agency also need to get some money from the domestic helper. Why? Now let's say if there's a cook in Hong Kong before he can work in a restaurant. Of course, he must get a certificate that is, is a qualified cook before the restaurant employ her. I think we should encourage the Indonesian government uh, try to make schools by the government to help the girls to you know, study like Hong Kong. Hong Kong government is doing very well locally. They will have some classes. They will not charge them very high fees to learn to do, do domestic duties. So if the government can run schools by the government and help them charge them very little fee, I think they can afford to join at, uh, to uh, train themselves before they come to Hong Kong. The major thing is that most um, you know, domestic helpers, when they come to Hong Kong, they need to uh, have uh, the langu uh, language that they can communicate with the employer. That's why in Indonesia, I think they need to learn Cantonese or Mandarin. So there's a training, the training fee before they come. And it's fair enough that if they learn this, they want to train themselves, they pay the school fees, I think it's fair. And I think it should not be run by the agency, but should be by some training school in language in Indonesia. Now, Philippines, I must say that when I was still a, a, a Eastern District Board member, talked to the Philippine Consulate, I thank the, the Philippine government promised that they will not overcharge the domestic helper in the Philippines. And I see that they are, they are doing quite well. 
and I have actually have asked some domestic helpers from Philippines. They say that they have, they still have to pay some, but not as, as the amount is. I say nine thousand. I've heard from the workers' union. All right, they don't have to. All right, Miss Young, we're going to have to wrap up this discussion very soon. But before we do that, Miss Borha, do you have anything to add to that? What do you think of Miss Young's suggestion that that many that maybe you or your or other domestic helpers in Hong Kong they should seek help from their own government? Just very briefly, Miss Borha. Yes, yes, yes. Is there anything you would like to add? Uh, I just want to add about what Ms. Uh, Chong said about yeah. the code of practice. Yeah. Yes, it is true that the government have the law about the financing either agency, but it's sad to say that according to our survey, and studies on the evaluation of five years of the code of practice for the COP, uh, 2019 until 2021, only 10 agencies were revoked their license. Among the 10, another six were uh, about excessive agency fees. So not less than 10 every year, but only 10 in every three years' time. So there's no enforcement from the government, I know, about the uh, the laws because the the penalty or the punishment of the agency is only eight thousand Hong Kong dollars, and that is uh, in a, in a, that is very easy for them to get if there is one or two only two domestic workers applying in their agency. Yeah. All right, Ms. Borja, I'm afraid we have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's Rowena Borja from the Hong Kong Federation of Asian Domestic Workers Union. Many thanks also to Thomas Chan, a chairman of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies, and Betty Young, chairperson of the Hong Kong Employers of Domestic Helpers Association. It's now 9.46, and in a moment, we'll speak to an author about this year's book fair that will officially open in around 10 minutes' time. 25 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Christine Choi, the Secretary for Education. Congratulations on the 95th anniversary of RTHK and many wishes for its future success. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. The book fair this year will run for seven days, starting from today at the Convention and Exhibition Centre. And more than 760 exhibitors from around 30 countries and regions will take part. To tell us more, we're now joined here in our Kowloon studio by Jane Hong. Hong Kong-based children's book author and exhibitor at this year's book fair. Good morning, Ms. Hong. Hello, nice Hi. to be here. Yes, thanks for coming. Coming to, to uh, for, for, thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, um, how's our preparation going? Is everything ready? <laughs> Well, just to make Sorry? things clear, I actually don't have anything to do with the organisation of the book fair, and I know very little about it. Um, it's just that I am a, a local author, and I have been invited to conduct a seminar at 3.30 Later this today, afternoon right? yeah. about my most recently published book. So do you think enough is being done in the book fair to promote local authors like yourself? 
think it's fair for me to comment about that. I mean, because I don't really know who's organising and who's been invited. Um, of course, um, any opportunity to share the experience of writing a book and um, ideally encouraging local people to read the books uh, local authors have written is great, but... Um, I can't really comment on that, I'm afraid. Right, I'm looking at your website. So you you write um, books mainly for children, and and there's this one called Punchoy, which is a hopscotch, uh, a, a, a hodgepodge of Chinese folk and fairy tale. There's one called Lantau Life. Um, what are the challenges of being an author in Hong Kong? Mm, I would I I would say that the challenges. Um, are the same as in many other countries. Uh, you have to work alone. Uh, you have to be disciplined. Um, the arts are not supported in Hong Kong. Um, but I do write about Hong Kong because I've been here since 1985. I'm very much immersed in the Chinese culture. I'm fascinated by the Chinese culture. And um, it informs my writing, you know, the settings, the people I meet, um, and, and my life's experience. Hong Kong has been very good to me over the years. Right. And you just mentioned that you will uh, be holding a seminar later this afternoon. What will that be about? It's... Um, it's about my latest piece of historical fiction. It's called Underlion Rock. And um, it's set in Hong Kong of the late 1970s. So historical. Um, so I've got some uh, real people in my story, uh, like Roman Tam, lawman. And, um, but also I have a lot of fictional characters too. And the idea is that this book is um, a light read for teenagers um, because my main character is a local teenager. He's, uh, he's called Joey and he has this unexplored talent for music. He doesn't know it. He comes from a disadvantaged background. Um, but by, uh, by chance, he attends a Roman Tam concert and then another chance he sees a Western orchestra playing and then he realises, wow, he, he's gifted. He's extraordinarily gifted. So the main theme of my talk, I suppose, and I think what I'm going to be asked lots of questions about, hopefully with children who are in the audience, is how important it is for as a young person to go for your dreams, to try, especially in the world of art arguably, because um, it's not the most supported choice, let's say, for a typical Asian young person. Um, but the opportunities are still there. Yeah, so you write about the dreams of a, a basically a Hong Kong kid. Um, tell me about where you draw some of your inspiration from, from daily life. The children I taught. I taught in a local school um, for seven years. Um, my grandchildren, my husband's Chinese, um, my, ch my grandchildren are totally Chinese, work that out. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the history of this place, um, the fact that Hong Kong was such a multicultural place for so many years, such a diverse, booming society, um, the liveliness, the 
what can I say? The Hong Kong culture. Yeah. You also wrote this Hong Kong movers and shakers.、Um, how did you select who the movers and shakers are? Ha ha.、Um, that was great fun. I found about thirty characters in all.、Uh, characters, real people, of course. And、um, how I selected primarily was by trying to make get a mix.、Um, so. It was relatively easy, especially by looking historically in in the past in Hong Kong, because you know there were Iraqi Jews, there were Filipinas who discovered Azaleas, and、um, there was a, a Western nun,、um, there was a, a very enterprising Chinese businessman who set up silver mines in Australia. So I tried. The answer, in short, was to get a collection of people from all over the world. That made a difference. Did something very meaningful and purposeful in their lives that has gone down in the history books, basically. Right. And according to the organizer of the event,、uh, the TDC, the the fair aims to inspire young people to cultivate a passion for reading.、Um, in your view, what, what do you think of、uh, young people's reading habits these days? <laughs> Probably, honestly, like my own, and、um, I mean, do we all read as much as we used to? Given the frenetic pace of modern society and the accessibility of so much fascinating information on the internet,、um, I think the the issue is worldwide.、Uh, the attention span has、um, gone down hugely,、uh, uh, not just for children.、Um, But I still would argue that what books can offer you,、um, especially fiction, is to be able to read into the mind of someone who's not yourself, the interiority of your character. Where else can you get that?、Um, not even in movies, actually.、Um, so fiction is a unique art form that helps people realise how very different we are. Um, as individuals,、um, you've got grandchildren. How do you encourage them to get into books? Read my books. <laughs>、um, that's easy because oh, grandma. But、um, I suppose、uh, to allow them to follow their interests. There is a very much stronger reading culture in in the UK. There in the UK,、um, we go to libraries.、Um, there are far more bookstores.、Um, there is. Uh, there's still resistance, but it, it's it's somehow easier, and I'm very liberal, let's say, in my choice of what they want to read or what they'd like me to buy.、Um, I think that would be the tip for for any parent, and I felt that as a teacher as well. Allow children to follow their natural interest. And、uh, did you participate in、uh, book fairs during the pandemic? I mean, in Hong Kong.、Um, No, I believe it was cancelled once or twice. It happened last year,、mm-hmm. and I went、uh, just as an observer and bought a few books.、Um, the last time I spoke at the book fair was in two thousand and sixteen, and that was with Oliver Cho, the、uh, great music critic, and that was another book of mine、um, that. Was also written for children. Just trying to think what it was called.、Uh, forgotten. I've written about seven or eight, which are all published by commercial press. But anyway,、um, I think、uh, there will. It, this year's will. This year will be a livelier event because the borders are open. Let's hope we get more、uh, mainland Chinese,、um, may, maybe some tourists now.、Um, I, th- I, I anticipate. 
this year being a livelier event. What role do you think something like the book fair plays in um, promoting authors? I mean, how, how successful it is? Well, how important is it? A well-run book fair can be a very powerful event because you a well-run book fair should not just have people going there to buy discounted books but they can meet authors they can um they can watch some visuals um authors can meet publishers agents can meet publishers that would be an ideal scenario for a well-run book fair i would say Right. And uh, you, earlier you, you uh, mentioned how you expect uh, this year's book fair to be more lively. Um, do you think people will be also uh, spending more this time because of the uh, consumption voucher, of course, that's uh, just been uh, distributed earlier? Hey, I have a question. Can we use our octopus cards to buy books at the book fair? I, I, mean, I think... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the octopus. Well, a lot of us have, have um, got more on our in our octopus cars than usual so maybe the answer is yes <laughs> and so anyone who's planning to come um please don't forget your octopus card yeah of course you know many of us uh, read books electronically like on a kindle or something tell me does it make a difference for you whether it's on a kindle or actual paper uh not at all i think any form um personally i find myself listening more and more to audiobooks um i find that's very good for my imagination i can kind of yeah create more pictures just by listening and certainly for children the trend is for animation um and for online books and i'm actually at this moment in the process of um self publishing a number of children's books um with the help of ai um graphics right this creation now that you can you can get ai to um uh, it's extraordinary to do the drawing to do the illustration yes. um so to I do almost anything really get them online yeah. audio um and or as interactive books um alas uh i i i say alas because i imagine that um books in physical form will um continue to decline. That's rather sad. I find that very sad. <laughs> All right, Miss uh, Hong, unfortunately, uh, we're, we're out of time. Good luck with your books and uh, thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Jane Hong, a Hong Kong-based children's book author. Many thanks also to you who uh, commented or emailed us today and uh, to our guest presenter, Jenny Lam and producer Raphael. I'll be back with another episode of Backchat tomorrow with uh, Philip Wong.